Hey sisters, I'm super excited to dive into this episode, but before we do, I want to talk about two quick things. First, 73% of women out of the 40 billion that are going through perimenopause right now are struggling with symptoms and not getting the help that they need. And mostly that's first because of the miseducation, the uneducation that we have around this. If you are wondering whether your struggles, your your suffering, your symptoms, and specifically your weight release resistance or the weight that you're gaining has to do with perimenopause, I've created a free quiz for you to get those answers and be sure if that is the issue for you. All you need to do is swipe up and take the quiz now. It's free and it'll send you an email to to confirm or let you know next steps for you so that you can better understand whether that's what you're going through. Secondly, I have heard you. I have heard the struggles. I know them firsthand. I know what it's like to wonder what the heck is going on in your body, why all your efforts aren't working, and why you're Googling terrible things like, do I have cancer? Do I have MS? Do I have this? To better understand what's really going on inside of you. I have a big announcement based on something I have created for you that I'll be launching for September. I'm going to be sharing, starting to share a little bit more about it here on the podcast. So make sure you're coming back to the podcast. Make sure you are subscribing to the podcast so you don't miss the episodes. When you subscribe, you usually get notified that the episode and a new episode has dropped. So make sure you follow, share this with your friends, and let's give you the solutions to your problems that you need so you don't keep staying stuck and really going backwards. When you have these problems and you don't choose a solution that works for you, things don't get better as we all know in midlife. We're vintage now. All right, let's dive in to this week's podcast. What's up, sisters? Welcome to the Period Whisperer podcast. I'm Bria. I'm your host. If you're new, I'm so happy you are here. I'm your perimenopause and menopause sister, your holistic trainer, hormone specialist, translator of your female body. I'm a recovering people pleaser and hustle addict turned body whisperer and hormone decoder. And I am here to help you de-stress your body, decode what it is saying, become the CEO of it, and own your own health, energy, and weight loss again. This show is for you, the overwhelmed, overworked, underappreciated step woman who dreams of a body they feel strong, energetic, and sane in. The woman who knows that she shouldn't just wave the white aging flag and believes in a body and life of peace, love, and purpose. But you don't just know how to get there yet. So if you are stuck in your body, your energy, your life, you are in the right spot. Let's lean in and learn what our bodies are saying to us. Hey there, sisters. Welcome to this episode of the Period Whisperer podcast. I have an interesting stat for you today. Did you know that women over 35 are accounting for over 20% of births this last year in 2022, which is up incrementally 2% by 2% over the few years before, which means that right now, more than ever, women are having babies, preparing to have babies and recovering from having babies at the same time as we also begin to battle this 
hormonal reverse puberty shift of perimenopause. I think it's an important topic because so many of us are there and it's just not being talked about enough. So I wanted to bring someone on and I'm so lucky to have an expert on this come on and talk with us today. My friend, Elizabeth King, who is recognized as one of the top fertility coaches in the world, Elizabeth has helped women of all backgrounds in more than 20 countries conceive naturally through one-on-one coaching and become certified fertility coaches, also supporting clients through IVF, early pregnancy, PTSD, miscarriage, and new parenting. And she's on here with us today to talk about what's going on in pregnancy, recovery, postpartum, and perimenopause. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited that you're here. I love what you do. I think it's, you know, even when we talked before, just learning how you've helped so many women, I think is such an incredible, incredible thing that you do. Thank you. I'm yeah. I'm happy and honored to be able to help educate people in this realm of fertility and all the things that surround it. Yeah, definitely. Can you tell us how you got into this or tell us a little bit about you first? Yes. So I really got into it. I recognize fairly recently that I really stemmed this interest around fertility in general when I was 19. Ironically, my sister was diagnosed with a rare form of cervical cancer. And at that time, I didn't even know what a cervix was, honestly. And she was given four months to live at that time. And all she could focus on was the fact that she couldn't have children. They told her she couldn't have children. She was 26. And we, of course, were focused on the bigger issue of this is a rare form of cancer. Nobody on the planet has survived it. And who cares about not having children? We need you to be alive. So that course took us to fertility doctors and starting to have this conversation at 19 about, well, how can I have a baby for you? I'm one of three, four girls total. And so all of us were really surrounding her about how can we do this, right? And so they kept her ovaries even through her chemo and radiation and everything with the hope of perhaps maybe she'd be able to do something later. And even at 19 and 20, I knew in my gut, you you cannot go through what she's going through and have something survive like that in your body. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, it didn't. But that's really where it kind of kicked off this whole interest and education around what does that mean? What what does it mean to carry a baby for somebody else or, you know, do IVF and all of this stuff that again, at 19, I didn't even know these things existed. And then fast forward to age 30, I got divorced and I went to go back to that fertility doctor actually to freeze my eggs. And he said, you're, you're too young at this point. And this is because the technology at that time was a little bit different than it is now. And he said, come back later. I went back at 36 because I was still single and said, I want to freeze my eggs. And it wasn't that I was burning yearning to have a child at some point. It was more of a, I had a 401k. I had my ducks in a row here. I'm going to freeze my eggs because that's the responsible thing to do. And knowing that I was building my business, I was traveling the world. I was, you know, did not have anybody in my realm that I thought was going to be a potential partner that I would have a family with at that point. So it was really more of just put that in the back pocket as an insurance policy and move on. But through all these steps, I was kind of just continuing to download the information. And once I did that egg freezing, now this was quite a while ago, gosh, 
11 years ago, it wasn't really a thing as it is now. Nobody was talking about it. Nobody was doing it. And I was surrounded by other women like me in a corporate world, running businesses or climbing the corporate ladder that were either divorced from their starter marriage or not knowing what was happening with their family, right? So, and I see that so much now with people on LinkedIn and other things that I can resonate with so much uh, because that was kind of my story. And fast forward to age 40, I 39, I should say, I met my current husband and had a fibroid issue. And my OB at that time said, oh, it's not a problem. Um, you know, they're very small, so it's it's not an issue. And I had a gut feeling that there was a problem. So I went back to that fertility doctor again. And at this point, you know, he knew me quite well. And he said, it actually is a problem because of where they're located. So yes, they're small. However, this is why you would not be getting pregnant. So I went to a gynecological oncologist per his recommendation. And the reason that I point that out is because if you can find somebody that's an oncologist to do the surgery, it's a great way because they generally have the best technology. They're very familiar with, you know, the female anatomy down there and making sure that you're not creating more scar tissue, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, we went on to conceive my first child naturally at 41 oh. after I healed from that, that surgery. So that is my background story on how this all came to be about. Wow. And you've since had two more. You have three children. I do. Yeah. I went on to have two more children and I had been a certified ICF life coach for 15 years mm-hmm. leading up to this and from age 30 on. And when I had my first miscarriage is when I really switched to full-time standing in this realm of fertility only to, to really help support and serve people in this realm. Because I recognized in that moment that nobody tees you up for this. Nobody's talking about all of this. You feel very alone and isolated and guilty and shamed and broken and all the things. And really you need, you need support through that. And there's scientific studies that show that you do. So I'm so grateful for all of that kind of pain and heartache that got me to where I am now to help other people succeed in their, in their families. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. And I think I'm sure, you know, I think women are grateful for you, like to be able to open the conversation and normalize something that does make people feel so alone, I think is really, you know, it's what we do here. It's what we try to do is just normalize things. And so, so people can be educated and learn and and get through it. Right. And when you're talking about perimenopause, I hear it probably, twice a week with clients about, you know, I'm not sure if I'm not getting pregnant because I'm in perimenopause or because something else is going on, right? Like they feel like maybe I'm on that cusp. And so it's not happening for me versus, well, let's see what we can do to get our hormones in line so that you are still in that place of being healthy and your hormones working in the sense of you still can conceive a healthy baby because Mm -hmm. it's one thing to conceive and not carry to term. We really want to make sure that these people are having live births, not just conceiving. Um, And as we get older, we know that that becomes more of the risk as as we have been told through the years. I don't know about you, but most people my age, I'm now 47. uh, When we were growing up, it was kind of anyone over 35, you would have a Down syndrome baby. That's just kind of what we were told. Yep. Um, And now, again, being educated as much as I am in all of this, you know, there's many things, not just Down syndrome of these chromosomes, but 
also that's not necessarily the case. And, you know, I, it's one thing I have helped hundreds and thousands of women to have babies over 40. It's another thing to have three over 40, like I did. And it is possible. It's just a matter of making sure that we have everything in the row. We know that anatomy, your anatomy is healthy, right? There's nothing physically, structurally wrong. And also getting in alignment with that spiritual, emotional, you know, physical balance. Yeah. Which is really important at midlife, right? And it really kind of comes to be unavoidable at this stage. Do you find? Right. right. And really breaking that, that image that society has told us for so long, right? Well, you're over 35, which to me sounds like a baby now, but I know <laughs> that over 40, you know, that becomes a little bit more, okay, yeah, I'm 40. So is, are my chances of having a baby likely or not? Yeah. And again, I have so much evidence, you know, to show you with people that I've coached, it is, you know, I, this week there's a 44 year old who just had a positive pregnancy test. Um, it, it can go on and on. And also there's so many options as well, right? So if you don't want to have, or if you are open, I should say to having a baby in another way, um, there's a lot more options for you rather than having it naturally. Over right. 40. So let's get into this then when, if you, let's start with, cause I'm super interested in what it looks like or how to holistically support your hormones for women who are wanting to have children, which is, yeah. you know, it's your specialty. And then also kind of the recovery people, because obviously, you know, there are a lot of women having babies already at this time. And what does that look like after? How is that different? So maybe we can start with if you're, if you're over 35 and you have that fear, like you mentioned, you have clients of saying, maybe it's going to be too hard because I'm in perimenopause. What, what do women need to be aware of? What are the first steps for them to care for their hormones? I would say the first step is to get a full hormone panel blood work done. Mm -hmm. And you need to make sure that you do it on day two or day three of your cycle. A lot of regular OBs will not point that out to you. And from then on, I always do it on day two or day three, and I'm not trying to conceive, but I, it's my kind of baseline. So I know every time I get my blood work done, I'm comparing apples to apples of where my hormones were at that time of my cycle. So doing a couple times of that blood work to see. So I would say maybe every two to three months, if you are starting to take your supplements and everything that are going to affect change in that, right? So we can see the data, the black and white data of, okay, I started on July 1st. I'm doing my blood work on day two or day three of my cycle. And then I'm going to continue to do it again, two or three months after I've been doing supplements, seed cycling, whatever it is that you're doing around that. Right. To support. And when you say day two or day three of your cycle, because I think I know there's some confusion out there. You mean like day two or day three of your follicular phase of like after your menstrual cycle bleeding. Ah, Day one of your bleed, then the next day or the third day is when you want to go into have that blood work done. Okay. Interesting. And without seeing someone's blood panel, are there, you know, common supplements that, you know, typically we, we see that for women to be taking at this point, or is it really going to depend on where their hormones are lying? You know, there's a book that I was talking to somebody about yesterday. It kind of seems like the Bible for everybody who's trying to get pregnant. It's called, it starts with an egg. There's a lot of great information on there, but also it's, 
you really need to make sure that you're having it tailored to you. Yeah. And there's so many aspects of that, that you could be over supplementing yourself with something you don't need or under supplementing yourself. If you know, you're in a position where that doesn't fit for you. So mm-hmm. it's a great place to start. I'm not knocking the book. I'm just saying you need to take an additional step to get further information specifically for you, right? If somebody tells you you have a thyroid issue, you need to know what's the microdose that you're taking for your body specifically. You're not just going to, everybody's taking, you know, 88 micrograms of thyroid. That doesn't work. The same thing as this. You don't want to just read the book and say, this is what I'm going to do and it's going to work for me. Right. So really some of the main things are actually super basic. And really what it comes down to is we're trying to figure out how to decrease the inflammation in your body and in decreasing the inflammation in your body is helping all those follicles to remain healthy. So there's, it goes back to vitamin C, vitamin D, like kind of the basics, vitamin or zinc, um, Omegas. Those are kind of the spirulina is a really good one oh, for egg health. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can get into some additional ones like CoQ10 and whatnot. But yeah. there could be a full long list, NAC, DHEA, et cetera, et cetera, right? And we're really just looking at what is going to help heal the cells in your body, period, mm-hmm. right? Because if everything is healthy in there, that's also going to affect the change in your in your ovaries. And that's where we want it to matter most essentially, right? We want those to be healthy because once that releases that egg, we want that to be a really healthy egg in order to do that. The one thing I'll say is people kind of jump into, okay, I'm going to make this big decision. I'm going to freeze my eggs, or I'm going to start trying to have a baby and I'm going to do it now. You really need to allow 120 to 150 days of whatever it is you're doing to really take effect in your body for your, for your eggs specifically. Um, so if you decide today, I'm going to start seed cycling, you need to wait 150 days for that to show up as a result in your body from your hormone tests and everything. I think we just need to highlight that for a second, because I mean, the reality is, is any healthy change based on healthy things like supplements or, you know, a holistic way of we need it to expect that. I think in any way, that's three to four months, I guess is what sort of what we're looking or four to five months, I guess is what we're looking at. And I think it's, we get really caught up in that kind of microwave mentality. Don't we that like, I want it or Amazon mentality. I might look at it. I want it tomorrow. Why is it not? Yes. So whatever change you're trying to implement or whatever goal you're working towards, I really think that's a realistic timeline more like, let's look at the four to six months. Especially when you're older, especially when you're at that older age of over 35, it really does matter what we're doing with our body. Now, if you're 25 and you're trying to do this, it's not as critical. We still want to make sure that your cycle is in good health and you're doing all the things, but not as critical as somebody who's going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to start now. Mm -hmm. And this is my age because we know that, you know, your 35 year old eggs or your if you're 35, your eggs are 35 years old, but we also now know that you are able to affect change. And that is not what we were told before. Mm-hmm. It was, well, you're 35, sorry for you. And now it's like, no, you can see a 35 year old that looks like a 25 year old, right? Yeah. And that would show internally as well sometimes. And we can also see the opposite, right? You see somebody who's 25, who looks like they've been through the ringer and that probably shows as well. And there is the blood work that will reflect that sometimes as well. And that all to say you could 
be super healthy and still have a diminished ovarian reserve or an AMH level that's not great. But you can you can change that. There are definitely things that you can do to help with that, depending on where you're at with it. There's acupuncture, there's herbs, you know, the supplementation. Um, there's a lot of things that you can do. It, I wouldn't say that it's something that you kind of hang your hat up and walk away. It's not that. Yeah, I love that. I think, you know, just that idea of how like most of the time our outsides are quite a reflection of what's going on on the inside is really, really important. Yes. And- 35 and 45 looks different on a lot of people, doesn't it? <laughs> For sure. And more and more so, right? We can see, yeah. I mean, we watched a movie with Jane Fonda. She's, I think, 85 and she looks amazing, right? With and she has lived a very healthy life, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so it looks so different and you have the ability to to do that now. Yeah. yeah. And, and I actually think it's so powerful to see that and recognize that because, um, it reminds us of what is possible and, and to keep reaching for the health that we want, you know, and that it is it's not just an anomaly, anomaly, it's choices. A hundred percent. There's so much social evidence out there that you can find people that are healthy over 35, having babies over 40, having babies naturally. Yeah. And on, you know, on the side that on the other side, and as we kind of shift into the postpartum bit, but like we, we are, there's so much evidence of women who aren't struggling with massive hormonal suffering in perimenopause and menopause. Sure. I think it's important again. So whether you're, whether you're watching your child go through puberty, whether you're going through pregnancy or postpartum, whether you're going through perimenopause or menopause, there, they are significant hormonal shifts, but you don't have to suffer. A hundred percent. And I, I subscribe to that yeah. for myself. I have not yet hit that stage, but I'm super convinced that that's not going to be me. Like yeah. I'm not signing up for that. Yeah. I, you know, and I don't buy into it. So I'm yeah. not, I'm not going to be one of those. And I think that that's also a matter of the mindset, right? We have the power to affect change in our body just by our thoughts on that, right? If you've heard over and over throughout your life, oh my God, menopause is awful and it's the worst thing. And I'm having hot flashes every five minutes. And, you know, that's the program that you take in in your mind, right? If yeah, you, you almost just accept it and expect it. Yeah. So then you, you, it's almost like um a bit of a self-sabotage. So then you just kind of lay down and let it happen and make the For other sure. that make it worse. So For that's sure. mindset. Um, so can we shift a little bit? And so for women who now have had, you know, they have success having, you know, babies and maybe they're, they're again, they're in sort of their late thirties or even early forties. What do you see or what can we expect in kind of the, the impact of like postpartum hormonal shifting versus and perimenopause hormonal shifting colliding? What are some of the things that women should be aware of? Well, it is a fact that again, when you're older, having the babies, those sorts of things, the hormones kind of rise up stronger and in a different way than they would again for a 25 year old, because you just don't have everything in play as you would normally. Anybody having a baby, of course, hormones are going to go crazy, but also because we are so educated, we know all the things that can help us to get those hormones back in check naturally pretty quickly. And again, it's part of that mental state of how you are and being aware of that, right? So let's just use um, postpartum depression as an example, right? That is a very real thing. And I certainly don't want to discount that at all. But we're there's more awareness around it now than there was before. So people can say, okay, I kind of heard about this. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's what's happening here. 
that's different than I'm having hot flashes after I had my baby or night sweats. Um, my period's not coming back online the way that it was every 24 days or 28 days, whatever it was. Those things are, you know, you don't need to be medicated to, to have that get back on track. I'm right. a big fan of seed cycling. And what seed cycling is, is natural seeds that come, that you use the first part of your cycle and the last part of your cycle. Um, one increases estrogen at the beginning of your cycle, day one through 14, and the other increases the progesterone day 14 to 28. It's something that I still do. Again, I'm not trying to conceive, but I want to maintain my physical health. And once we know that your cycle is still in sync with your body, you know that your, your hormones are still within a range that's healthy for your body. It's often called your sixth vital sign because yeah. once your body is out of sync and your cycle is out of sync. It's a signal to your whole body. Okay. Something is offline. We want to be like, you know, it's kind of the red flag. What do we need to adjust to make sure that we get back on track? And eventually, obviously your period goes away and that's what it's meant to do as we get older, but we can help facilitate that and make sure that it's a graceful way of getting there versus a very, you know, I just had a baby and now I'm going through menopause and it's a train wreck and I don't know what's happening and all the things like there's so much that we can do and know now in order to help make that transition a lot easier. Yeah, I love that. I love that graceful. Well, yes, that is that we want to gracefully move through the stages of our life and not feel like we're being beaten down or or stuck or very frustrated. Right. And having a newborn at any age is stressful, right? So your, your nervous system is usually out of whack. Your cortisol system is all over the place because you're not sleeping. You don't, you're in a new situation that you've never been before. You know, there are so many things that affect our hormones and the lack of sleep, all the things, right? And so really, again, partnering with your body and knowing what does my body need? Who am I going to work with in order to help get this back online and recognizing, okay, it's because I'm not sleeping right now. That's why this is happening. And trust me, I've been there. I had three under three. You can't just say, I'm going to go take a nap at times. That's not possible. But you can also know these are the things that are out of alignment. I know what I need to do in order to get it back in alignment. In the meantime, I'm going to supplement myself so that I'm building up my adrenal system in this other way with supplements, or I'm seed cycling in this other way for my hormones, or I'm doing whatever else I can possibly do until I can really get to a point where I can get good sleep again. Because that could be years before people get good sleep, and I'm one of them. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. That's a really good point. I think, you know, what, what I hear you saying there, that's so, that's so critical for women of all ages, really just bringing that awareness back to our body and our needs and not ignoring them or shoving them under a rug or pretending them that they're not there. Just that general awareness of what is your body missing and maybe you can't give it to it right now, but then supplementing as best as you can until you can. Right. And knowing that our body does change as we get older and the estrogen and progesterone and testosterone, everything starts to shift. Same with the guys. You know, you see men get more emotional as they get older. It's because their estrogen is going down and their, or I'm sorry, their testosterone is going down and their estrogen is rising. And it's the opposite for us almost. So, you know, it's a normal way of 
of being. And it's just a matter of, okay, what do I need to feed my body differently now than I didn't have to a year or two before that it's needing. And you don't need to, you know, spend a lot of money or go to, you know, buy $900 worth of supplements or anything like that. It's really just having a quick conversation with somebody who can go through your lab work and know, okay, this is where you need to be do this. And then, you know, again, come back in a few months and see how you're feeling. If you're feeling like you're on the right track and if not figure out what else might be going on, you know, it may be something deeper than hormones. A lot of people get through um, pregnancy and do have significant things go offline as far as thyroid or, you know, other things because their endocrine system just kind of shuts down based on maybe they had a traumatic birth or something else. Yeah. So if you, if we're looking at just to kind of tie this all together again, if we're looking at women, you know, whether, whether we're preparing, whether we're recovering, you know, we're in these perimenopause years, we know seed cycling, obviously getting your blood work checked, seed cycling, looking at the right customized supplements, anything else that you recommend women to do to holistically support themselves, um, you know, and their hormones during these kind of rocky times. I would say the biggest thing rather than all of those other things is the mindset. Mm-hmm. Don't buy into that societal stuff that we've all been told about your age. You know, what is it that you want your age to look like for you? Find yeah. somebody that you're like, oh my God, they're 55. They look amazing. I want to be like that. I want to look like that. I want to, you know, whatever. Or they just had eight kids at 37. I want to do that. You know, whatever it is, find somebody that you can look at to physically, you know, visually see that you can model to say that is possible because we've been so programmed to think that it's not possible in all the ways, right? Whether it's having kids, whether it's going into menopause or whatnot. And there is so much out there to show us that it is possible. We just need to make that choice of where we want to be. And I would say that was the biggest thing for me was the mindset. I believed that my body was able to create babies. Mm -hmm. I believed it. I did not. In fact, I didn't, the age, I mean, the age thing was there for sure. I knew that I didn't have a lot of time, but I also knew that it was possible for me. I didn't let somebody, you know, a doctor once told me, well, you should probably look into egg donation. I knew for me that wasn't needed, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think really that mindset of where do I want my brain and my thoughts to live in this because our thoughts create our feelings and our feelings create our actions. And so how does that make you show up every day? And that really manifests itself in whatever it is that you want to create every day. Uh, You know, Elizabeth, we could have done an entire podcast just on this mindset piece. I agree because it, it doesn't even matter what it is you want, want in life. I think like mindset is so critical, you know, plays a big role, obviously in, in what is possible for you, no matter what, whether that's, can I release weight in perimenopause and menopause, which is a lot of the clientele that I focus on, or can I get pregnant in these years? You know, anything is possible, but you're the one who has to genuinely believe it. And I love that tip you shared of find someone who has what you want and figure out what they're doing to get it. Right. And just as you say, when you make that decision and when you really believe it's possible and you create that plan, I think executing it starts to become a lot easier instead of feeling like a tall order. Absolutely. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being on today. I really, really appreciate it. I, you know, you, you shared a lot of 
awesome tips. I think I'll have to do a whole episode on seed cycling now after this, but um, which is really great. But I think even the mindset alone, like was one of the best tips you could have shared with everyone here. So thank you for the work that you do. Thank you for sharing your expertise and your time today. And um, I'll look forward to continuing our conversation another time. Great. Thanks for having me again. Thank you. All right, sisters, go out, be more in your life and not just less on a scale. And if you want to learn more from Elizabeth about healing your hormones during, you know, pre-fertility time, a post-fertility time, where is the best way for them to reach you? At elizabethking.com. Perfect. And I will put that in the show notes so you can just swipe up real quick and tap it and go follow her in all the places. Thank you, everyone. We'll catch you next time. Thank you so much for joining me on the Period Whisperer podcast. I want to encourage you to reach out to me directly and message me if there are topics or things you're struggling with so we can address those right where you are at. And of course, if you loved this episode, if you learned something, make sure to share it with your friends and please rate and review it wherever you get your podcasts.